Do you have a face for a dark room? Do people tell you you're ugly? Have you ever looked in the mirror and it cracked? Have you ever been to the zoo and people throw peanuts and food at you? Well, let me tell you what. Why don't you check out Mark's Wrestling Masks on Facebook. That's M-A-R-C apostrophe S. Mark's Wrestling Masks on Facebook, because that's who keeps our ugly mugs covered too. Welcome to The Shiz Show with your hosts, Vader from Wish and NWO Machine and NWO Keth. Man, that smells good. I can't get rich, I can't make a living, but I sure do something for the neighborhood women. I wake up every morning with them knocking at my door. You can't keep them waiting when they're begging for more. Back, back, I holler to my hound You're supposed to keep them from coming around I used to think they were after me But they're just after my recipe for good brown gravy Welcome to the Shiz Show. Hi, Vader. Hey, how's it going, Machine? I'm doing good. Now, that's that's a cool... I love that song. Okay, so don't let's not say whose song that is, but what's the name of that song? It's Good Brown Gravy by Joe Diffie. Good Brown Gravy. Okay, we got... It's got a Southern Revival type of uh, (laughs) And there's a specific reason for that said song, and we are going to get into that, but uh, before then, I just want to mention to uh, all our U.S. listeners, a happy 4th of July. Yeah, happy, yeah, happy treason day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure uh, that turncoat Danny Duggan has had a good celebration. <laughs> I'm sure so he did uh, on the CWE run. So we have we're gonna get right to the meat and potatoes here uh, with the brown gravies or brown gravies. <laughs> good brown gravy. Good brown gravy. Any kind of it's yeah. good stuff. We have a guest who literally is like, um, for lack of a better term, he is like a pop culture icon mm-hmm. in the independent wrestling scene but he's known to me and you as our buddy stan saxon so brother midnight brother midnight welcome to the show <laughs> well thanks guys it's a pleasure to be here uh, uh, he's lying very- already <laughs> we're getting off the guests that's why no one wants to come on i know so. <laughs> So yeah, I I, re- I really enjoy your show and I'm glad to be here. Let's talk wrestling. Let's let's talk some wrestling. So 8990 was your debut and uh you started out as obviously Stan Saxon. That's right. Okay. So let's fa- in 80 Okay, you know what? You, you, you tell me when to talk, Bob. Well, <laughs> that's enough. We're going to hang up now. That was Stan. He was a great guest. <laughs> well, I just want to know. So, we always ask everybody who comes on what got you into this business? Like, what made you go, you know what? This is what I want to do. Well, I was into wrestling as a lot of us were when we were young. I used to watch the AWA on CKND Channel 12 here in Winnipeg. And I could tell pretty quickly that it was, I didn't know the terminology, but I could tell it was a work. Yeah. You know, drop kicks, missing punches, not even close, but people are selling. And I used to go to the matches with my brother and my dad at the old Winnipeg Arena. And the place would be crazy with emotion. And I was feeling that emotion myself. And it, 
I wonder why, well, why does this happen? Why, when most reasonable people can tell it's some kind of work, how are they generating this emotion? And I continued my obsession while it was a mild obsession and grew into a pretty strong one. And until the WWF started getting big and uh, following that, and I figured, you know what, I got to experience this from the inside. Yeah. And that's really what motivated me to get into it. It was never about, oh, I want to be a big star. I want to be cool to my friends. I wanted to experience this in how to generate emotion from people from something that is likely not 100% legit. <laughs> yep. It was either that or government. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so now let's fast forward. So you, you get involved. Um, d- who trained you? I trained with Eddie Watts primarily. There was a, a group here in Manitoba. Watts was my primary trainer. Um, uh, Rick Patterson sat in with a few of my training sessions as a uh, leather face oh, out in yeah. uh Japan, um, and a few other, uh, uh, not as well-known guys, but Eddie was pretty much my chief trainer and I, and I, and I pretty much owe a lot of my involvement to him. So Sachs, here's a question. And we asked the, uh, Kevin Cannon last week that what he's taken forward basically into his life mm-hmm. settings or if you if you're talking to guys today what piece of valuable advice did you get when you trained that you could pass on to someone today well what i would say um i'm not sure is relevant to today's wrestling because i've recently found that today's wrestling is so different than it was Okay, well, to answer your question, I would say this. Take it seriously. This is a business. Um, Conduct yourself as a professional and um, understand you will get hurt. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when and how bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, what I was going to say about the change in the business is, and I want to point out, I'm not bashing today's business. I Uh, I'm coming through a period where I would, I used to bash today's business because it's not the same as it was in the eighties and the nineties. Yeah. And I was becoming one of those uh, crotchety old men in my day. (laughs) (laughs) And I really wanted to understand the new business and, but it's, it's not uh, the kind it's it's not a presentation where you are trying to convince people that you're scary as a heel, for example. Okay, mm-hmm. but uh, any professional in any in any um, professional activity needs to conduct themselves with with professionalism, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah, and, and I, I just want to mention one thing. Like when I ask, you know, like our guests these things. Like Stan Saxon, when I'm at an indie show, right, 
Yeah. And Saxon walks in. It's like the Pope just walked in. Oh, yeah. Like everyone Look, kisses the ring when well, Saxon walks in. Yeah. All the it, boys it, in the back. Like we are talking yeah. to a guy today who is like PWI 500 tops. Yeah. Right. Like this is, it doesn't happen often that, that, uh, that, that happens in life. So here's a guy who took everything seriously. Like he just said, yeah, it's going to happen. Things are, Things can happen. You're going to get hurt, but take it seriously. Treat yourself like a business yeah. and be respectful. And this guy has all the respect when he walks in the room. And so. he, he was great as a uh, new wrestler coming up. I, I remember one of my first matches at Chalmers, and I was wrestling. I, I'm pretty sure that you were Brother Midnight at the time. And I called for like a, it was a, like a stinger splash, and then we went into the finish. And then after the match, we go back, and you're, you're holding your ribs, and you're looking at me, and you're like, well, when you say you can do a stinger splash, I... I tend to believe that you know how to do it without hurting somebody. And you made me feel like absolute crap until I realized after that it was a rib. And I kind of felt a little bit like, hey, I'm accepted now by the boys. So, and that was awesome. <laughs> I don't know if the guys I still remember, do that. but <laughs> I remember that night. That, uh, that feels like it was in Portage. Uh, oh, no, no, that was Chalmers. It was Chalmers, right. yeah. Yeah, I pulled the same rib on horse uh, in Portage. That's, that's what I'm thinking of. I never heard that he got that one, so I was like, what the hell? I, I thought it was good, but <laughs> she had me second-guessing myself, but then I realized it was a rib, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and see, that's the whole key, right? Being yeah. accepted in the and, and having a guy like Sax yeah. come in and give you that yeah. prop, right? Like, yeah. that's pretty cool to get that uh, rub, too. So now let's fast forward since you, you brought this up that you will, you know, take it seriously. You will get hurt. Um, you had, a, a well, we're going to go into a little bit of mental health because we like to push that too. So you had a crazy injury, which sent you in a bit of a spiral, which spawned off your greatest character. So <laughs> let's get into that story. All right. Well, this was, I believe it was 92. I, I was booked out to uh, do the Maritimes for a meal. No, this wasn't a meal. It was Stephen Pettipaw. He uh, worked as Sheik Ali in the Montreal, remember the uh, international wrestling out of Montreal? Yeah. Uh, but Pettipaw was running the Maritimes and they brought me in and they put the belt on me, which was. It was strange to me because I was a 21-year-old kid, <laughs> but they had uh, Patterson booked as the champion, and Patterson uh, got himself booked for a better deal in Mexico. So Eddie Watts was second. Uh, he was deputy booker out there. Uh, Leo Burke was the booker. And Eddie called me and says, uh, hey, kid, get up to the Maritimes. We're going to put the belt on you. <laughs> oh, okay. But, okay, so I hop on a plane um, and got to got to the Maritimes. They tell me, okay, I'm the Texas outlaw Rick Patterson. What? <laughs> okay, he's two inches taller than me, and he's uh, about 50 pounds heavier than me. And, and then he says, don't worry, after a couple of weeks, we'll drop the Rick Patterson. You'll just be the Texas outlaw, and then whatever. So I, uh, we're, I got into like a six-week program with Leo Burke. And this guy, if you know Leo, he's the Hulk Hogan of the Maritimes. Okay. 
and he's he, he was so well respected and well um uh, a tremendous worker uh he eventually became one of the trainers for uh WCW a lot of his um his uh trainees have gone on to get uh, that Bugs Bunny money at uh, WCW <laughs> and they figured well we got to get Leo some of this some of this uh, TBS money because yeah. he brought us here so anyway what happened was I was working this program with Leo and it was going so well it was going so well the crowds were super hot every single night and I just got stupid I just got <laughs> stupid and I was high on the on the hot crowd, and I started doing sh- stuff that I shouldn't be doing. <laughs> I'm not qualified, so I did. I did uh, a Randy Macho Man Savage uh, go to the top rope, come down with a double axe handle on the floor. <laughs> yeah, and this was midsummer in the Maritimes in a hockey arena. Oh. I feel the heat already. Yeah. The sweat on the floor. <laughs> sweat on the floor. And when I hit and I and I jumped a distance too. At least Savage kind of went straight down. Yeah. But but I went a distance <laughs> and I shouldn't have, obviously, and uh destroyed it. I destroyed my leg. It buckled left. Oh, I yeah. I felt a zipper. Uh, like a zipper inside my knee buckling left and then another zipper buckling right. And um, I had to be carried out. We finished, we did a, we did a, a finish. I'm not sure it was exactly the finish, but uh, Leo put me in a sleeper and then a Cuban assassin and a few of the other heels hit the ring and, but they all had to carry me back. Hmm. So th- then I, uh came back here to Manitoba and I fought with the healthcare system for almost two years before I finally got in for surgery. And I was a mess. Mm-hmm. I was a mess mentally. I was putting on weight. I was up around 285 by the time I got to the gurney. Yeah. And I was a freaking mess. And I finally got surgery and then, okay, now this is going to be another rehab. Mm -hmm. And I'd gone through like a physical rehab before I even had my surgery. And that's another story why they put me through that. But short answer is I was a mental mess. I was on the verge of doing something really, really, really bad. And I thought, you know what? The only thing that ever made me happy is wrestling. I can't wrestle. But what if I learned to talk? And what if I learned to not take this so seriously and have a little fun? Yeah. So I started learning to talk. I started watching the best promos in the business. I started watching um, other public speakers. I started learning. um, I was watching televangelists, everything. And that, when I did the first Brother Midnight promo ever, it was actually the first Brother Midnight promo 
which I don't know any uh, video exists anywhere. Uh, anywhere, it was actually Captain Midnight. It was just a throw a throw together generic hooded guy. But when I did when I did the promo and it and it had the aura of a televangelist or something similar. Someone gave me the name Brother Midnight, and then it started to get a following. Mm -hmm. And they put me in a team with a guy named Sweet Daddy Cadillac, and he had a similar, a similar, um, sim <laughs> similar gimmick, you might say. Yeah. And we started getting a following in terms of uh, we were getting letters, and this was '95, roughly. Yeah. So. There was no email or anything. Oh. And so then the the boss told us, okay, you guys, we're pushing you to the top. You you and Caddy, Midnight and Caddy. And then we thought, well, how, like, we're a brand new team. We've got no record or anything. <laughs> so that turned into our favorite angle of all time. And so... <laughs> for a lot, now here's my question to you like tell me so you did this like here you are you know stan saxon you're doing everything in the maritimes mm -hmm. you're 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 taking it pretty serious and <laughs> you're not thinking anything except you know what i'm just gonna go have fun this time with a hood and you become this popular like that must have given you like okay what the hell just happened here right because even to this day Brother Midnight is massively popular on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> How it happened is is not quite clear, but <laughs> I, I, think, I think the 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 notion of just having fun with it and inviting the fans to have fun along with it, mm -hmm. yeah, may have played a role because when. Um, it was midsummer. We were doing promos at the local TV studio there, and it was midsummer. And both of uh, Midnight and Caddy, we wore suit jackets as our <laughs> as our rain jackets. Yeah. And we we show up at the studio wearing shorts, and so I'm uh, so Caddy hears me talking to the cameraman. You know, make sure that you only shoot us from waist up. Because yeah. uh, we got shorts off, you know, pretty obvious. <laughs> and then Caddy approaches me and says, "Hey, the the boss wants to push us, but we're brand new and we're a comedy team. Why don't we shoot an angle here on TV that we're just going to show up and not wear pants <laughs> until we get the title shot?" And. Uh, as stupid an angle as that was, it started to get over, especially it started as the office was, well, no, this is professional wrestling. <laughs> we are taking this seriously. You must put pants on. <laughs> if I had a nickel. Yeah. The people got behind it when uh, Caddy and Midnight would come out to ringside prancing around in our boxing shorts. <laughs> you know, yeah, persuading the office, give us our title shot, give us our title <laughs> shot, and then they finally caved. Yeah, and by the time we got our title shot, and we took the titles. We had four hundred people in there. Mm -hmm. Where 
when we started this angle, there was maybe 50 people. Yeah. So going by percentage, that's quite an increase. Yeah. And everyone was quite proud of that. And it was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Do you, um, do you still have the hood? The midnight hood, yeah. the, the original blue one with the webbed eyes. I don't know where it went. No, no. It, it turned into a, like a generic hood for, for anybody here in Manitoba. I don't know. I loaned it to someone cause they needed it and then it got passed around and I don't know where it is now. No, that's, we'll, that's we'll have to do our that. own Manitoba's uh, treasures. Like with, yeah, uh, like yeah, the WWE treasures. We got to find that hood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, we definitely have to find that for sure. And if not, I think I know someone who I can think make I know one for who you. Can make one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our show sponsor, Mass Man Mark for sure would, uh, would definitely get into something like that. I'm sure if, yeah. uh, if you needed a, a new brother midnight hood. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> so let's talk your, your, I just, I don't know if it, I don't think it was brother midnight had this angle, but you did a program with Jericho and hang on now. Would have been Lance storm. Lance storm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That was early 92 uh, for Tony Candelo. And he brought a, a crew in from from Alberta and BC. There were some BC guys also, but Jericho and Storm came through, and I worked maybe maybe a dozen matches with Jericho and or Storm. Some of them were were tags. I tagged with Don Callis and uh, against Jericho and Storm, and we had some really good matches. And I had some good matches with with the Jericho singles also. I, my memory of Chris Jericho was uh, he was always nice guy, mm -hmm. but you could tell by um, the way he carried himself that he wasn't going to stay at this level for very long. He had that. He had that aura of, yeah, I don't belong here. I'm a nice guy, but I don't belong here. And it wasn't very long after that that he went down to Tennessee for Jim Cornette and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He and Storm both went, and from there, well, we know what happened to Jericho. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he kind of did crappy for himself because he's in AEW. <laughs> Yeah, that's a product I have to say I don't know anything about yeah. except for what Jim Cornette says on on his podcasts. That's really my only connection to today's wrestling. Yeah, because I got to tell you, after I think it was 2010, I just you know this is totally different yeah. from what I know. But I've been trying to learn, you know, the the new business and how it is, and um, there's a local group here. Um, I met the the group at the the current CWE roster, and actually they're pretty they're pretty decent. Like they're they're good guys. They're respectful to the old business, and it seems seems like they appreciate um, my change of attitude on the new business from rather bashing the new business to trying to learn it and understand that it's different. Mm -hmm. So, uh, let's respect it on both ends. Yeah. And they run a good, they got a good, uh, locker room there in CWE. It's a lot, a lot different than 
I remember when I first started out, like it just, it's got a different feel to it. And it seemed a lot more welcoming overall. And like, like the Danny runs a good, uh, a good group there. And like you're saying, they're great guys and you know, put on a good show. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's the feeling I got was like, this is a welcoming group. And when, when, uh, when I show interest in learning how they do it now, mm-hmm. as, a, as opposed to, the the way it was in the 90s it's not a matter of well this you know the old man telling you this is the way you're supposed to do <laughs> yeah, it yeah. different now it's different yeah and uh, it's subtly different mm-hmm. except that um it pretty much we don't we don't worry about um kayfabe or anything yeah so I have a question that I'm going to throw at you that is this is going to come out of left field oh, and boy. it's I, one of those uh three degrees of separation that you did some training of young guys, uh, back in early nineties, I guess. Uh, or even, yeah, I would say 2099. 96, 97 ish. So you trained, uh, here's, here's where you and I have a, a silly connection somehow. And I mean, I, you and I have met like long before I even had a specific connection to the wrestler. I'm going to bring up, because we did stuff with Callus and NHB and things like that. And, and, uh, I was in the, when I did the ring announcing and, um, but you trained a fellow that I ended up managing in Chris Paris. Oh, right. Yeah. I remember him. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was kind of interesting because I knew that connection, but I, I don't think I'd ever, even when I see you at events, we, we usually don't really talk a lot of shop. We say, Hey, how's it going? We watch the show. We have a few laughs. But so you train a guy like, like Chris, whether you thought he had potential to do anything or not, I don't know, but how does it feel? And this is where I'm going to throw this. So you train Chris Paris, he ends up being managed by me. And the next thing you know, Chris Paris is in a match with a guy like Buff Bagwell. So how does that make you feel as like looking back on, you know what, man, has he come a long way? Because I'm assuming as a local guy who, you know, probably doesn't think you're going to get a chance with the Buff Bagwell mm-hmm. or the LOD or whoever. Yeah. And, and there's other guys in the room that maybe could have it. And the booker decides, no, we're going to give this one to Paris. How does that make you feel looking back and going, hey, good job, kid? Or does that, does, does that make you feel good for him? Well, I guess it shows that my training uh, was good enough, <laughs> right? Yeah. So in in that in that regard, it's it's it shows that he got trained good enough because there are people that don't get very well trained, right? Yeah. So uh, I mean that, that's good for him. Uh, when I when I was training guys, I never really thought that far ahead. My my whole deal in training guys was I want them to be professional workers. I want them to be safe. And I want them to do stuff that looks good, but it's got to be safe first. Yeah. If you can't do it safely, don't do it. Like Rob with his stinger splash. <laughs> like Machine and his, no, the, your the Vader and Vader's stinger splash. Yeah. <laughs> No good Vader and his uh, stinger splash. I gotta give do. you a chop when we're done with this. So. <laughs> oh, thanks, Saxon. I'm gonna take the beating for you. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, I, I just want to go back to uh, something that, like, a lot of people 
might be going, well, okay, what happened? You got, you got up to uh, the 300 pound mark and it's, I mean, people don't realize like we, we do see each other outside of the ring. And recently, most recently I, I saw Saxon and, and he's pretty ripped up man. Mm-hmm. I saw him at the gym. So yeah. you, how did you turn that around to like, you're looking fantastic, man. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, well, it came down to, um, learning about the body and learning about the brain and how they're connected and poisonous food, uh, is obviously poisonous to the brain and that can contribute to mental health problems. And I've been fighting mental health problems since I blew my knee in 92. And what are we now? 2023. So that's 25 years. That's half of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So eating clean and, um, getting off the, the beer, I'm 11, 10 and a half months over now. Oh, good for and you. I think it's going to be permanent this time. Yeah. And, um, one learning, day at a time, buddy, one day at a time. That's the whole key. Yeah. yeah. You're I, doing good. I, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. But the power of exercise in, in terms of uh, mental health, learning about all of that. When I was on the road as a wrestler, um, you don't care that much because you're, you're on the road, you're getting exercise, but after the show is done, there's the beer store. Yeah. Right. And then when, when you get hurt and now you can't do it and you realize, Oh my, my health is no good. I thought it was okay. I thought it was good, but no, it's not. Cause I'm slowing down now. Yeah. And I'm, it's easy to sit around and drink beer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and that makes you feel better in the very, very short term, mm-hmm. but overall it makes it worse until you got serious problems. Yep, for sure, buddy. Well, listen, Saxon, it's been a slice here, buddy. We, um, you know, we we hit this thirty minute mark in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'll just say you're you're welcome anytime to come back if you ever want to come and just chat mental health and and tell us how you're doing and uh, eleven months and twelve months and yeah. and so on. You're you're always more than welcome to come on with any road stories or anything you want to chat about again uh, next time. Um, we usually do a, a random rumble, yeah. uh, where we talk about a couple of wrestlers and we put two together and have a fantasy match and we'd love to hear your opinions. On I forgot to put batteries in the randomizer. Yeah, so, so we, uh, I needed yeah. them for the remote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we can have you back to talk about, uh, some wrestling other than, uh, than our own shenanigans. Yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to play the randomizer. I've heard it, and I, I think it's great. Yeah, well, you know what? We'll book it for, in, let's I tell you what, in the next two weeks, we'll have you back, and we'll do the random rumble with when you. When we do a 35-minute show, and we can do it now. Uh, because I have somewhere to be tonight. Oh, my God. Like, what? I've been running around all day here, where Mr. is sitting at home in his gitch uh, making no, ribs. I've been making ribs. I just said sitting in your gitch making ribs. And they look fantastic. <laughs> and you're not getting any now. I wasn't talking about the ribs. <laughs> So, Saxon, let me put a little pressure on you. Um, it's welcome to the Shiz Show. Uh, can, can you give us a little Brother Midnight on the way out? Yeah, I think so. 
All right, everybody, this is Brother Midnight Tonight. You're right here on the Shears Show with Mr. Vader, baby, and Mr. Machine, if you understand me. That was awesome. I just went back in time. Oh, that is so cool. Stan Saxon, you are the best, and uh, I am so happy that uh, you, you didn't do the what you talked about where your head was in the wrong space because I, I definitely wouldn't have met you and had a good friend. So uh, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. Yeah, and until next time, buddy, you keep kicking out. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Good bad You can solve it with a biscuit. You can eat it from a pan. You can lick it off your fingers when it's running down your hand. If I could get a backer, I could cause a big commotion. I could put it on the market, call it biscuit.